Hi, and welcome back to the Voice First Roundtable, Episode 6 for August 15th, 2017. My name is Bradley Metrock. I'm CEO of a company called Score Publishing based in Nashville, Tennessee. And our sponsor for the Voice First Roundtable is Voice XP, blazing the trail in voice technology. Voice XP is taking the lead in developing Alexa skills for the best brands in the world. With Voice XP, all you have to do is say it to revolutionize your marketing strategy. Check them out at voicexp.com. We're very thrilled today to be joined by Adam Marchick. Adam, say hello. Hello. Adam, thank you very much for joining us. Adam is CEO and co-founder of Voice Labs, which is a very uh, interesting company. Adam, you're a longtime entrepreneur, a very successful entrepreneur. Give us the elevator pitch for Voice Labs. Sure. So uh, Voice Labs exists to help voice app developers be successful. And what's exciting is there's a new wave of voice app developers building on Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant and Microsoft Cortana, and hundreds are joining daily, and we're here to help support them. And you do that by offering an analytics service. Yes. So um, as a bit of background, I have been was a software developer for a number of years, and then this is now my third emerging platform and ecosystem I built a company around. From my experience, whenever there's a new ecosystem and app development environment, the first thing developers and product people and marketers need is actionable analytics. So we built and launched Voice Insights voice analytics product about a year ago, and it's now the number one voice analytics product in the market. Very cool. So everybody, I think, who's listening to this has a pretty good idea of web analytics, uh, the number of people who hit your site, uh, their geography, um, how long they stayed on the site. Um, but I would venture to say a lot of people have no earthly idea what would be comprised in voice analytics. Share with us some of the metrics and some of the things that developers are tracking with your service and some of the things they want to, want to be tracking. Sure. So as with any good uh, description... It starts with Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. Okay? <laughs> okay. So uh, for anyone who's seen the recent Apple commercial uh, with The Rock uh, talking about Siri, that um, what happens on these platforms is uh, you're using either uh, Apple Siri or Amazon Alexa, and then you want more interesting things. So for example, uh, The Rock asked Siri to get him uh, a ride using Lyft. And at that point, Apple hands off that interaction to Lyft, and it's Lyft's job to do right by the consumer and figure out where he is and how to get him a ride to the airport. And so that app that Lyft built, it's not trivial to build a great voice app. And so we work with companies like Lyft and our analytics software helps them understand how consumers are using their app, how they're trying to use the app but not able to, and how to make their app better. And we have uh, visualizations and data analysis uh, to aid in that effort. Um, just as a quick difference between web and mobile, first off, when 
mobile became popular, there was a rise of mobile analytics. And my last company was in the mobile ecosystem and did some mobile analytics. Now, with the voice ecosystem arising, one big difference of many is that when you look at web analytics like Google Analytics, one of the key things is funnel analytics, looking through the funnel and seeing how people traverse through it. On the web, you really care about the click stream. For example, do they enter an email and then click sign up? You don't really care about the value entered. In voice, the value of an entry is way more important because it has to be interpreted and interpreted correctly and led to the right next step. So the value of information needs to be much more front and center for voice analytics than web or mobile. Can you share with us how many people are using your service? Yes. Um, we're proud that to say that we have over 1,900 voice app developers. Wow. That's a lot. It is. There's really, there's um, what, about 18,000 apps total across all the platforms, which probably represents 10 to 11,000 developers. So about 15 to 20% of them are using us. That's pretty awesome. It's interesting that uh, your service supports Alexa and Google Home both. And I think that would open the door for some interesting insights between how users are using one versus the other. Have you seen insights along those lines about how Amazon ecosystem folks are using their voice hardware versus uh, how Google folks are? Well, it's a great question. It's something that we really like digging into. Both Alex and I were computer science majors, and I did a stint in data science, and we like kind of taking data sets and digging in. And, um, you know, when we, in January, we actually wrote this thing called the voice report, which tried to explain the market and some of the differences. And we conjectured how Google Assistant and Amazon Alexa would diverge. Mm. Uh, what's been interesting is that, that report's been read over 20,000 times. And that's on your website, right? It is, directly on our website. And we're actually in the middle of another data analysis uh, project that will go live in early September. Okay. Where we were tackling just that of our Google Assistant consumers diverging from Amazon Alexa consumers. The answer right now is not significantly. Um, Interesting. And it's, I think it's because if you ask someone... You show them an Amazon Echo, and you show them a Google Home, and you say, what are the key differences? They're like, one's circular and one's oval. <laughs> you know, that's just kind of where we are. Um, but in the details, there are a ton of differences already, and those differences will become more and more pronounced. It's my perception, uh, for whatever it's worth, that there aren't that many people that own both. Um, are you seeing that, or are there a good many people that do actually own both? Great question. So in January, we actually did a lot of primary research, and we surveyed consumers with the help of one of our partners, InfoScout, a really strong market research firm. Okay. And we surveyed consumers, and we found consumers that owned one of the devices. And we asked them, how likely are you to buy the other device? And only 11% said, I'd buy the other one as well. Hmm. Uh, so to date, you're right. 
that uh, we said, you know, as of t- in 2017, it's a winner take entire household market where if you go Alexa, you're an Alexa house. If you go Assistant, you're your Google Assistant house. That will um, become less pronounced uh, in the coming years. I hear uh, I hear Alexa talking in the background there. I know she wanted to <laughs> chime in. You know, <laughs> that is the rite of passage for Voice First FM podcast. By the way, uh, is how long it takes to activate that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's interesting, and uh, I think that's only just. I think it's only going to get worse um, in that. Uh, I'm unaware if Google has this functionality, but Alexa, I was just reading that uh, they've wrapped up testing for the functionality that will allow Echo devices to serve as um, networked speakers in the home. Um, So your Echo Show in the kitchen uh, and your tap in the bathroom and your echo in the bedroom and your echo dot in the basement all know that each other is there. And, um, and this is not out yet, but from what I've read, it's, it's imminent. And so it has different applications for, you know, of course, music, obviously, but also, uh, healthcare. We were talking on the voice of healthcare with Kathy Pearl about that. Um, but, uh, there's a lot of different applications that would have. And of course, if that's one of the features, then you would never buy a another piece of hardware that's outside of the ecosystem that you've already invested into. Would you agree? I would disagree. Hmm. Okay. Uh, so already, because I am not the normal consumer, uh, within eight feet of each other is an Amazon Echo and a Google Home. Okay. And uh, currently, when I want to play music... I use the Echo, and when I have a search question, I use Google Home hmm. because Google Home is way better at general question and answer, which is unsurprising, but the more you dig in, the more pronounced and interesting it gets, whereas Amazon Echo, if you ask it trivia questions or where's the closest restaurant that serves Burmese food, it, it fails right now. Nobody's asking that out here in Tennessee, by the way. <laughs> well, actually, they should ask it, and then we should understand how many miles it is. What, you know, there should be an over-under on number of miles to the best, best Burmese restaurant. I say that. I, I sell Nashville short. Nashville's actually got a surprising uh, cuisine, uh, but uh, I digress. And, you know, and that actually, I've never been to Nashville, and I think I need to. You guys got a conference coming up, right? We've got the Alexa conferences in Chattanooga, but there's certainly plenty of folks who uh, will take the opportunity. Um, we'll have some people who are in the United States for the first time, <clears throat> for the first time, and some people who are in the U.S. who will be on the East Coast for the first time in a while, and some people will head over to Nashville uh, from Chattanooga. It's two hours uh, ish, um, you know, after it's done. Chattanooga is a very compelling place in its own right, but. Uh, uh, the the you know Nashville uh, is a pretty metropolitan place if you happen to find yourself in Tennessee but yes we definitely do the Alexa conference will be in January great excited um, let me ask you uh, about monetizing voice labs so right now uh, your service is free to sign up if you're a developer you should go to voicelabs.co by the way not .com uh, but .co 
and get signed up for their service. But it's free uh, to sign up for that and, and to get that. What is your plan for monetizing this space? Yeah, it's a great question. And obviously, um, you know, we are very fortunate to have the, fun, the backing of the churn-in group as VC investors. And uh, the goal uh, of a company, a for-profit company, is to be sustainable and hire people and, you know, provide people jobs and, and, and build awesome stuff. And to do that, you need a revenue model. Uh, and so, you know, I think one of the things that's been really fascinating uh, and, uh, for those of you who've been following voice labs, there's been some fun times in the past six months that when you watch one of these ecosystems develop, y- you know, you can't really charge for software until the developers are actually making money. Mm-hmm. And one of the first and best ways developers and emerging ecosystems make money is advertising. And so we actually launched an ad network, uh, about three months ago which was resulting in a lot of the voice app developers making real money. Um, for a number of reasons, we decided to hibernate it. Uh, but the, the larger picture is most of the people who have been building these voice apps have not made any money, and therefore it is not rational for us to try and charge them. And so we're probably still one or two years away from a voice analytics product being uh, able to generate significant revenue. So we're not trying to force the issue on our analytics business. Now, we have some other things in the pipe that we're not ready to share yet, but we're really focused on trying to keep the analytics free because, you know, a lot of, now that this is my third startup and Alex is my co, Alex Lenaris, my co-founder's third startup, we do this because we like, Supporting ecosystems and blazing trails. It's kind of our goal. Yeah, well, there's many, many, many entrepreneurs, as you well know, uh, who take the approach of get in, get acclimated, create something of value, <clears throat> create something of value uh, establish a user base, and then figure out where the the opportunity lies. And um, it looks like that's you know that's what you guys are doing and. Um, that's, uh, that's exciting. You're not going to have any shortage of people needing your service if all of this keeps moving in the direction that it's headed. Is, the, is what you're hoping to see happen in the voice space, Alexa and Google allowing developers to charge for their voice applications, or are you hoping for some other monetization scheme to, uh, to happen? It's a great question. And, uh, you know, what's really interesting is we're the, I think we're the only company in the world that has a real data set around voice first advertising where before we launched our ad network we had over a million experiments and then we had the ad network start ramping really quickly and we measured because it's built on top of our analytics platform were consumers willing to adopt uh, advertising What's fascinating is there was, there was a vocal minority of people who were upset about the advertising. But if you look at the data, it didn't hurt retention of apps being used. And so the goal of any monetization effort is to, in no way, shape, or form, reduce the amount of usage while uh, providing 
developers with a revenue stream. And advertising successfully did that. So that's one way. Um, another way is to have paid-for apps, which I think a lot of people, in theory, think is a good idea. I think if you polled 50,000 consumers who have, or however, you know, who have or, or will have an Echo uh, or a Google Home and asked them how much they'd pay for an app, you know, you'd probably get very little revenue out of that. You know, just be like, hey, you know, let's say I'm, uh, I'm using, like, one of the, a great skill is Tender. It's, okay. uh, you know, when I want to make a cocktail and I don't know the ingredients, I ask Tender. And I love using it. I use it probably once every week. If Tender suddenly said, hey, if you want to keep using this, it's 10 bucks a month, I'd probably switch to just searching on the internet. <laughs> yeah, that that is probably high. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is the this is the billion dollar question for this space right now. And I'm sure there's people at Amazon and Google and Microsoft and even probably Apple, uh, as well as a bunch of other companies discussing it. Is is how this needs to work? You know, and I'll, and I'll give you another counter there that okay. it's not the billion dollar question. Okay, it's probably like the fifty million dollar question. Okay. The billion-dollar question is how do we actually solve discovery and usage of third-party apps on these ecosystems? Because if we look at, you know, there's 16,000 Alexa skills. How many of them have a half million DAUs? What's a DAU? Daily active user, excuse me. Okay. So how many third-party apps have... 500,000 people using it, daily, using it daily. Ooh. Um, if I had to guess, uh, half a percent? Yeah, so that's like, what, is that 50? Yeah. I, I'm not, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I guess 1% is 160. Yeah, so, so less than 100? Yeah, and that, probably, that number probably needs to be 500 before we have a, a robust ecosystem. And once you have... Like, I, I was lucky enough to be at Facebook in 2008. Mm. We had zero revenue, but we had 120 million users, and by the end of the year, we, had, we surpassed MySpace, and it all worked out. If you have aggressive usage, good things happen. So you want Amazon, just taking them for example, to more logically connect skills to each other uh, and increase the discoverability before necessarily developers are allowed to charge? Well, no, it's not, it's not uh, mutually exclusive. I'm just okay. saying whether the, an ecosystem, all of them, you know, at least Alexa, uh, Amazon, Google, and Microsoft – have all shown that they want a third-party ecosystem. The company, the ecosystem that has the most usage and engagement, will ultimately win mm. over the one that has the more unique monetization scheme. No, we're in a complete agreement on that, and and uh, you know there's some smart folks working to figure out how to make that happen, and you know, and talking to to Brian Romley, who's a frequent guest on Voice First FM podcast, he's. He's a big advocate for that as well. Um, just uh, and he, his example it always involves neurons and in, in the brain, which I think is very interesting. Mm. But uh, yeah, no, we're we're in agreement on that. Is there any fear that you have that 
voice is a little bit ahead of its time, that this is just another technology that's knocking on the door, but then gets told to get lost and come back in 10 years? Uh, or do you really think that it's here to stay? That's a great question. And, you know, this is, uh, this is the earliest market I've started a company. Mm, interesting. And, uh, which is kind of fun. Once again, by being company number three, it, I've been really fortunate that people have given us the benefit of the doubt in terms of fundraising and support. And, you know, what's interesting is I actually was building voice apps in 1999. My Stanford senior project, I built voice apps on top of Tell Me. And back then, voice apps were the future. And Tell Me got acquired, I think, for $500 million by Microsoft. And it turned out that the market was ready for next-generation IVR systems, call center software. You know, okay. when you when you're when you're you gotta hit 18 clicks before you get to a person. <laughs> uh, it was not ready for consumer voice applications. I have conviction that now is the time for consumer voice applications, and there's a number of reasons. Alex and I believe that, uh, and happy to kind of dig deeper. But now is the time. We're gonna have at least two robust voice ecosystems in the next three to four years. It feels like it's time. Um, it feels like it's time, if not for any other reason, the accessibility. Uh, accessibility is a common thread of voice technology, and as a result, it's a common thread of many of our shows. Voice technology opens up new worlds to so many people, and then it enhances the world of everyone else. It would be a shame if now is not the time. And it's fortunate that Amazon... You know, I give Amazon a lot of credit because they are driving the train with the mainstream marketing. Uh, you haven't been able to turn on a sporting event in the year 2017, a mainstream sporting event, without seeing a uh, advertisement for an Alexa-enabled device of some sort. And, um, and that spending has caused Google to spend in the advertising space, and it's caused Apple and Microsoft, I feel like, to accelerate what they're doing. And so, um, in my mind, they get a lot of credit, but the, the industry as a whole, the sector, it's moving at a rapid, pa <clears throat> a rapid pace, and I hope that it continues to evolve into what we hope it does. Um, that's just my, my feelings on it. Yeah, great. I appreciate you joining us, Adam. Uh, I appreciate you setting this time aside. And for people who have listened to this podcast, who have learned about Voice Labs and about what you and your partner are doing uh, out in uh, Silicon Valley. How, what is the best way for someone to contact you? Yeah, info at voicelabs.co. Perfect. Adam, thank you very much for setting this time aside. It was a pleasure. Um, it's always fun to talk to a, a fellow entrepreneur and, and especially someone as smart as, as smart and accomplished as you are. Uh, thank you very much for setting this time aside. Well, thanks a lot. I look forward to engaging with the community, and I really appreciate you having me. For The Voice First Roundtable, Episode 6, thank you for listening, and until next time.